the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Uh, well, it's February the 20th. We've been having some great weather here. And looks like good weather going ahead. Boy, it's been just great. My, me and the kids have been outside and playing and enjoying life, enjoying uh, creation. And yeah, there are hardships in life. Uh, there are difficulties going on in our world. But every once in a while, all of us, we need to take the time Put those things aside and remember the blessings that we have. And we do have them. We do have them. And we need to remember those things so that we don't fall into despair. And I want to have make sure that my children have a good, uh, uh, positive, uplifting uh, attitude toward life, recognizing that God is in control. And when we look out there in the world today, you may be thinking right now, are we really, is there really any kind of control out there? We've got the war in Afghanistan, or Afghanistan, I'm sorry, the war in Ukraine, the war in Israel, Iran is creating problems for us in the Red Sea, or the Red Sea, man, excuse me, the Suez Canal. Uh, we have issues all over. We got Medvedev, uh, the prime minister, is he the prime minister? The fellow over there in Russia who is, you know, Good buddies with Putin, threatening possible nuclear attack if we don't back off, and all these things all over the world. The problems at our southern border, deaths with fentanyl, corporation greed, political distrust, distrust with the judicial, distrust with the executive powers, distrust in Congress, and distrust among each other. We are so divided, not just in our country, in the whole world divided. Man, it is so bad. Now you're thinking, Chris, this isn't very uplifting. Well, think about Isaiah. Remember in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, where Isaiah, or the king, dies, King Uzziah? And he, after he dies, uh, Isaiah gets depressed, wondering what's going to happen, who's going to be in charge. In fact, let me turn my Bible over there, and I want to read this to you. I should have already had it up and ready to go, but I don't. I like to use the New American Standard Bible, in case you're curious. But in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, and two he covered. with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew... And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What is? The whole earth 
full of his radiance, glory, that which shines forth. And the foundations of the thresholds tremble at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, we see things like this all over. Even with Israel, when they were, uh, well, you know, Judah, when they were finally sent off into captivity, and they were being told by their own false prophets, oh, it's not going to last long. And God said, no, it's going to be 70 years. You disobeyed me. And I was reading Zechariah chapter 1 this morning, where he even points out that, you know, in the visions that he gives to Zechariah, what verse is that? Um, where is that? How long? Oh, right, here it is, yeah. And verse 8. I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees where, uh, which were in the ravine with red sorrel and white horses behind him. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said to me, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. So they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth is peaceful and quiet. And this is while Israel is in captivity. And it's at, at the end of the 70 years, he's sending them home. And they're... He's in essence saying that, you know, the world is at peace and quiet. But verse 12, the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no compassion on Jerusalem? So they're still, they were still surrounded by all their enemies. And the enemies were at peace. But there was no peace for God's chosen people. But God said, I am going to take that away and bring my punishment. In other words, God's in control. Even in the midst of difficult times, we see we see it all throughout the book of or the book, the Old Testament. We saw it in Daniel. We saw it with Ezekiel, uh, especially Ezekiel, where it looked like there was no hope, but God was saying that I, I'm in control. I know. Even in our New Testaments, we see this. When you look at the book of Acts, does it did it ever look like things were hopeless? For when you're reading it, it doesn't because you can see God working with his people always. It's always being shown to us. Even in the midst of being attacked by the the uh, Jewish hierarchy, the Sanhedrin, even the Romans coming after us. They were scattered out of Jerusalem by the, 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 the ravings of Saul, who will later become Paul, and, and working for the church in that he is baptized into Christ. But they are, they're scattered, and they continue to preach and teach. And even while they're being out there teaching, and, and Paul uh, is converted to Christ, and he goes out preaching, they're still attacking and attacking and attacking. But the church kept growing. Why? Because of obedience. And that's what's also happening here in Zechariah. Um, it says, in verse, uh, is it verse 18? Yeah, in verse 18. Of Zechariah chapter 1. This is another vision that Zechariah has. Then I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there were four horns. Whenever you see the horns in the Old Testament, it usually signifies great power. Whether it's a, a king, a general, or a great nation, he sees four horns. So I said to the angel who was speaking with me, What are these? And he answered me, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, 
Israel in Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I said, what are these coming to do? And he said, these are the horns which have scattered Judah so that no man lifts his head. So that's kind of like in shame. But these craftsmen have come to terrify them, to throw down the horns of the nations who have lifted up their horns against the land of Judah in order to scatter it. But it's going to be the craftsmen that do this. You know what that makes me think of? When they come to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, and that the, the nations surrounding them didn't want that to happen, so they tried to terrify them. But did they ever go out and fight them? They did not. They kept working like craftsmen, whether they be stone basemen or blacksmiths or whatever. They worked, and it was them obeying the word of God that brought them protection. I'm not saying we're going to have literal protection by simply obeying the word of God today. We are in another age. We're in the Christian age. But think of the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, when you're reading through that, all looks hopeless. It looks like the world is winning. And that's the point. He's saying it's always going to look like the world is winning. But as long as we are obeying God, he is with us. We may suffer in this life. We may die. But in the end, we win. That's what we have to focus on. We have to focus and remember who's in control. God's in control. And that's just when we look at the world. Now let's let's bring that. Let's, let's step back and look at uh, those right now. We're, we're in this world. We're, we're maybe we're suffering financially. Maybe we're suffering from pain and heartache, or or, our, or maybe our children are in the military and are over there, maybe in Poland or in Jordan or wherever it may be, and we, we, we worry over them. And so we're beginning to think, for those uh, who are out there, maybe you're listening and you're trying to think, is there a God? And if so, where can I find him? And how many people are looking? I think there's quite a few. They just don't know how to look anymore because Satan, I believe, is working overtime to make sure they can't find the truth. Just like in our news today, who, who, who do you believe? Do you believe our government is telling us the truth? Do you believe the media is telling you the truth? Do you believe social media is telling you the truth? Who do you believe? It's hard to find it, right? Okay, here, here, all right. A little bit of an excursus here. Um, when I was growing up, I, I was—I had unfortunately my parents moved around a lot, so I was in different schools a lot. But there were a couple of teachers that really impacted me. The, one of them was Mr. Berg. Mr. Berg, Jeffersonville High School, Jeffersonville, Indiana, taught history. And our, I'll never forget that, our, that first day in history class with him. He had us open up our history books and read one paragraph. It had something to do with, I think, World War One or World War Two, And we read it. And then he handed out some other history books. He said, this history book is from Britain. This one's from France. And this one's from Germany. Reading the same event. But it was, a, it was different. And he asked us, why are there... Small, some sometimes small, some subtle, some bigger differences. Why do they all see this event a little differently? The point was different perspective. And he asked, "How do you know who's telling you the truth?" Well, you're going to have to do some research. Go to the library, he said. You all are going to pick out four books to read this this quarter, four books within this time period on this this event and this war, and you read them and see what you can figure out. 
And he would do that every quarter. For that, that first year, I think it's on 10th grade or maybe it was 9th. And it was four a quarter. The next time uh, I had I made sure I had them again. It was like six books a quarter. And then it was eight books a quarter on history. And I learned that you had to really do a lot of research to find the truth. And that's what we're doing today in our day. we got to do a lot of research. But it's the same thing. Now, now to bring it to where I'm going, it's the same thing in the church. For, for If you're out there listening to this radio program, whether it's on the radio with KXXT 1010 AM at 4 o'clock on Tuesdays, or maybe you found it on our website, nvcoc.net, or somewhere else, wherever it might be, and you're trying to find the truth, you're probably looking out there thinking, well, where do I go? Do I go to this place that Chris Macy's talking about, Church of Christ? Do I go to the place down the road, this community church that's there, and they're kind of small, maybe that's fine, or maybe I need to go to the, the big Catholic church, or, or maybe the Baptist, or the Methodist, or the Pentecostal, or there, there's the first, uh, what is it, the First Baptist Church, or Second Baptist Church, the Lutherans, and how many of them are there? Well, there's hundreds, hundreds. Cool Water Church, I think they're gone now, though, down the road from us. There's so many. And you go to these different ones, maybe you're going around and visiting all these different places, and you're beginning to learn that they're all teaching very similar things, but there's differences. They all see salvation different. One says you only need to believe, just believing, and you're saved. Some say, well, you believe, and then you say the sinner's prayer, and then you're saved. Others say, well, you believe, but you have to do these certain things, and then be sprinkled, and then you're saved. Or others say, well, you have to join our church here and uh, put yourselves under our elders. Then you're saved. And you're thinking, well, who's right? You go down to where Chris preaches at the Church of Christ, the North Valley Congregation, and he says, well, you gotta, you got to hear the Word of God. You have to believe what the Word of God says. It makes sense. And then you have to confess uh, that Jesus, or, or, or repent of your sins, turn away, or confess your, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Repent of your sins. That is turning away from them. And then he says you got to be baptized. But he says baptism is immersion. You got to have your old body put underwater, raised up. And he says at that point you're you're starting a new life. Uh, but who's right? And how do you find it? Well, you go to the source, right? If you could go to the source, a source that you trust, would you be able to find the truth? Yes, you can. Now, and you know what the source is, right? It's the Bible. God's word. And you make that the standard by which you compare all these different congregations who claim to have the truth. Who's right? Uh, The guy down the road? The big one? The small one? The one where Chris preaches at? Who's telling you the truth? Well, only the Bible can let you know. I would encourage you to do this. I will help you by starting. uh, Really, you need to do your own research and read like the noble Bereans we read about in the book of Acts. But in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus has already raised from the cro- uh, uh, the dead, he's about ready to ascend into heaven, and he gives what we call the Great Commission to the apostles. Okay, to the apostles. It's the 11 at this point, his 11 disciples. They will be the apostles. And he says that, it, I'll read the, the section, the pericope paragraph. It starts in verse 16 of Matthew 28. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Now, let's stop right there. The command uh, is make disciples. That's the command. The word go is not a command. It is a passive. So, it's, in essence, it's pretty much as you go. Wherever you go. When you go home, make disciples. If you go out to the marketplace, make disciples. If you go to another city, make disciples. In your life, on this journey you're on, while you're alive, make disciples. That's my command. Make disciples. Okay. How do you make disciples, Lord? So go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Not just the Jews. All the nations. All peoples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is how you make disciples. Is Number one, they have to know what you're talking about. So you're going to have to tell them something. This goes to Romans chapter 10. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the, the good news, the gospel message. So they're going to teach them about Christ and all that he taught. And when you teach them and they come to an understanding, they're going to ask, how can I be part of this? They're going to hear. They will obviously believe. And if they believe, that means they're going to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And obviously part of that, they're going to need to repent of their sins. That means turning away and starting a new life. A new life. And if you're going to do that, that means you've got to start with a clean slate because you cannot come into the presence of God with sin. You can't. And you can't come into the presence of God continuing in sin. That's the, that's the repenting. So the baptism washes away sins. Now we may baptize people and dunk them in the water and raise them up out of that water. And we may some people may say, well, that's a work. Well, it may be a work, but everything's a work in, 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 in essence. But God is the one doing the work there. You cannot and I cannot do anything to wash away our sins. Except God has given us away by saying, if you do this, I will remove your sins. The water doesn't remove it. Your actions aren't actually removing it. God is. He's looking to see, are we going to obey? Will we obey? Back to Zechariah chapter 1. Why is this? There we go. It's scrolling. In Isaiah chapter 1, in verses 1 through 6, it opens up with uh, uh, an admonition before he gets to encourage. Because Zechariah is all about encouraging his people. And here it says in verse 2, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, verse 3, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Well, obviously they're all dead. Verse 6, But did not my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your fathers? Then they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts proposed to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. His word. They didn't act on it, but they should have. They should have. 
In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes, God's commands, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And he goes on to say, well, will a man rob God? Yet you you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In other words, in what I've commanded you to do. And those are there for us as an example. Today, same thing. How do we return to the Lord? We obey him. First John, all of First John is about us obeying the commandments of God. And you may be thinking, well, how do I do that? Well, it begins with you reading and studying the New Testament, God's word. Just read it. Look at your life. Make that your standard. The more you know and understand, the easier it will be for you to find the truth. John chapter 8, verse 32, where Jesus tells the Jews who believe him, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because if you know what the word says, no lie can entrap you. But you've got to have an open heart and an open mind to look and find the truth. And a lot of folks say baptism is not necessary for salvation, but I don't see that in the book of Acts. I don't see that from Peter when he tells us plainly, 1 Peter 3.21, baptism does now save us. And he says specifically, it is not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. You can walk into the presence of God because it will wash away your sins because you believe the word of God that he will act on his side if we do what he says. Like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, not all those who say, to, say Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And what he means by that, saying that, hey, I, I will do what the Lord says. They say, Lord, Lord, I believe in the Lord, but they don't actually do what the Lord says. Like the parable that Jesus gives in was that uh, Matthew chapter 21, where a father goes to one son and says, go into uh, the garden and work. Go into my, my land and work. Work the garden, or whatever it is exactly. And the son says, I will not. But later he regrets it, the son, and he goes. Then he goes to the, his another son and he says, go into my garden and work. And he says, I will. But he never actually goes out and works. Who did the will of the father? The one who actually went out and worked. That one. So yeah, work is part of it. James makes it clear. Faith without works is dead. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It is our faith. Our work is by faith. We recognize that God is with us, and he's going to bless us in with eternal life and with washing our sins away if we do his will, if we're going to act like his children. Do we want to be part of that? Man, I do. And I want to do it his way. So here at North Valley Church of Christ, we are striving to act on that truth, on the word. I don't, we don't have no creed. We have no creed but the Bible. We have no tradition except his. And what I mean by that is those traditions that we may have, whatever it might be, those are not binding. Like I, I like to sit in a certain place here at the church building. But if someone sits in my spot, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, we usually sit here. I'm not going to do that. I'll just sit somewhere else. It's not a big deal. If someone tells me, Chris, you know, uh, I think maybe we shouldn't meet uh, at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights, maybe 5 or maybe 4 or maybe 3. 
I want to say, well, that's okay. Well, of course, that's not my decision. That's the elders. I'm not an elder. But um, it, it's not. It's just a tradition. Uh, it's a tradition to have the invitation at the end of every lesson. I don't have an invitation at the end of every lesson. I try to do my best to preach just the truth. I am a student of the Bible. I am a truth seeker. I am just a Christian, not a Campbellite. I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Lutheran. I'm not any of these things. No one here is. We are just Christians. We're not Church of Christers. We're not going to hold you know, to whatever you hear from all whatever different Church of Christ. We're not going to always hold that. If you want to know what we believe, don't go to another Church of Christ. Read the Bible. That's it. And if you think that we're doing something that the Bible doesn't say, hey, I'll listen. We'll listen. What, is it, what do you think it says? Show me. If you can show me within the context, I will change. I promise you. And I have done it before. Because I'm interested in the truth. And I think you are too. I think you are. If you're listening to it right now, I know you are. We all are. We want to find that. We want to know that there's something more to this life. That there is purpose. And God shows us that purpose. That purpose to look ahead beyond this world to the one, the genuine life he gives us in his son. Eternal life. Genuine life. And to know that he is in control. And not worry. And it's hard not to have worry. You'll always have it, but we'll know how to deal with it and how to control it by doing it his way. And I teach about that here on the program. I teach about that from the pulpit here at North Valley. And we strive to do things God's way. You want to know more about that? Come and visit with us. Get on our website, nvcoc.net. You can find where, you can email me from there, from the website. You can come to our congregation if you're in the Phoenix area. You can visit with us. You can listen to our uh, uh, broadcast here and the past ones. You can watch the video programs we have on YouTube, all from the website. It'll take you over to that and learn. We want to know God. You want to know God. And we want to be as close to him as we possibly can. And we look forward to his coming. Lord, Come quickly. Take us home. Take our children home. So we don't have to live in this chaos anymore. The world should not be divided. Our the, the church should not be divided. It is. But there is one church that will never be divided, and that is Christ. We may divide them here on earth, but the Spirit lives on in him always. And we can be part of that if we really want to be. Thank you. And I hope you join me again next week. And find us on the website. And I hope to find you here at our congregation. And learn, we may learn from one another about the truths in God's word. Thank you. Have a blessed day. My time's up. And let us always redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. God bless. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.